Hello again, everyone. And um, this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, Gideon, uh, quite a well-known uh, character in the Bible. But I love how the Bible shows us men and women in their humanity, in their ordinariness, um, sometimes in their mess and in their brokenness. And these are leaders that we might call heroes of the faith that we read about in Hebrews 11. And it gives us encouragement, I think, and comfort, uh, as well as a challenge and a hope that God has a purpose and he loves and uses each and every one of us to accomplish what he has, has designed. So um, Gideon, uh, we won't be able to uh, cover every aspect of his life. It's uh, a lot there. But it's in the theme that we have been looking at these last few weeks of keeping on trusting, keeping the faith. And uh, we'll be dipping into Judges 6 and 7. Um, I'll have the verses up on the, on the PowerPoint. So if you have a, the screen there, you can read it from there. Um, but Gideon comes at a time in history of, of doom and gloom, really, uh, of Israel's history. It was a very much a dark period. It's about uh, 200 years since the time of Joshua, uh, that famous battle of Jericho, and um, the time of Rahab that we were hearing about from Laura uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but the following 200 years had seen some pretty terrible things happen. They had turned from following God to pursuing the pagan rites of uh, Baal and other false gods. Um, and Israel had suffered tremendous losses and were overrun by the Midianites. And God had provided different judges to deliver Israel from their dilemmas, but it seemed in spite of this, Israel again and again um, decided to go their own way. So the people of Israel at the time of Gideon were living underground mainly to survive. Hope was gone, morale was really low, and the nation was um, pretty much bankrupt in every way. The people of Israel, they wanted a miracle, and God sent a messenger in the form of Gideon. So for about the next 40 years, his life and character sort of brought light uh, into the darkness of the times. So we start here in Judges 6, uh, verses 11 and 12. Um, let me just read that. So the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So here we have an angel sitting in the shade of the tree, watching a young man doing a rather peculiar thing. He had climbed down to the bottom of a winepress hidden from public view. And Gideon was threshing uh, out a small bundle of wheat, which was unusual because normally wheat would be uh, threshed in the wide open spaces, probably on the top of a hill where the chaff and the grain could be uh, easily separated uh, and the wind could carry away the chaff. But a wine press is in a, an enclosed space made for the crushing of the grapes uh, to release their juices. So it's a kind of an odd scene uh, the fact that Gideon would even attempt to thresh wheat in a wine press uh, indicates the kind of fear that the people had of the, uh, of the uh, Midianites. 
So Gideon's frightened. He's trying not to draw attention to himself. Um, and he's in this confined space, uh, restricted space. And as I thought of that, I was thinking of us and many around the world who are finding themselves living in fear and living in maybe a restricted or um, confined space, not just physically, but maybe emotionally or, or relationally, feeling very alone and vulnerable. Perhaps this is what makes the angel of the Lord's greeting so striking to Gideon, because he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> I wonder if Gideon looked around to see who those words were meant for, like, you're talking to me? I mean, hello. <laughs> I'm nothing but uh, I'm not a warrior man. I'm not a courageous man. You could see the kind of confusion on his face. And both statements kind of seem observed. Where was this God of Israel with all the evil and the ravaging and stealing? Where, where was the evidence of God? Um, and secondly, he didn't look like a man of courage. In fact, he was anything but courageous. And uh, first point I've got here is keep on trusting, knowing the Lord is with you. How often we feel similar to Gideon, I think, insignificant and insecure and afraid. Uh, and there we stay wallowing in our insufficiencies or, or, or insecurities. But let's ask the Lord, what is the truth that he's spoken to us? What, what we're afraid to believe? Because he's called us to be strong in him, not in ourselves. And as Paul says, we can actually glory in our weaknesses. Because when we're weak, then we are strong. One of those paradoxes that we hold in tension here to be aware of our weaknesses and our failings, but not let them define who we are or use those weaknesses as an excuse for not doing what he asks of us. You know, we all know the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. And uh, for me, when I first responded, it was, it was a physical geographical move uh, right across the world to Asia. But I, I think I had a kind of wrong picture. I, I felt kind of like I was being sent and would go and do whatever he's asking of me, but then sort of kind of report back to the Lord of what I was doing. Um, but he showed me that uh, it, it's like this picture here. He's not sending me to go out on my own and report back to him, but he is there with me all along. I'm really not alone, but I'm like the little boy in this picture. And um, the destination is important, but it's also the journey along the way is also important. It's a relational going. It's a relational being with, he's with me, sharing and discovering as we go along to preach and share and make disciples. Um, so for all of us, you know, wherever he's asking us to go and whatever he's asking us to be, like with Gideon, he's going with us. What was Gideon's response then? Gideon said, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Didn't the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. 
And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So the second point here is that we should keep on trusting in the fear and anxiety that we have. God redirected Gideon's attention to a challenge far greater than anything Gideon had seen or known. He's been asked to do this huge task, to lift his eyes from the handful of grain to this con conquest of the enemy. And what does he do? Yeah, he looks like, does what I do often, or many of us, maybe we, we look at ourselves, we turn inwards to maybe our credentials or lack of them and allow that to define who we are. But when we're in a stormy season, when fear and doubt seem ever bigger, we're like the waves of the sea of anxiety that crash over us and drown any faith that we have. It's good to know that God hasn't changed, even if it's our perspective that has made us smaller. In this um, next slide here, if I could ask you just to look at the two green circles in the center and ask, which one do you think is bigger? The green circle on the left or the green circle on the right? Maybe just have a show of hands. If you think the circle on the left is, put your hand up on your left. And if you think the green circle on the right, put your hand up on the right. Which one is bigger? Yes. Actually, I'm seeing probably it's a mirror image, isn't it? Some, what I'm looking at, people's left is people's right. <laughs> anyway, um, let me just go to the next slide then and actually uh, show you that re in reality, they are exactly the same size. This, this, the green circle on the left is the same circle as the green circle on the right. And it's because of the blue circles around it that um, create this illusion that make us think that the green circle on the left is smaller because the blue circles are so big. And I was thinking how that is in our, in our lives often. We, we look at the problems around us that seem maybe so big or um, huge. And we can, if we can compare the green circle with God or our view of God, that we sometimes think God is so small because we're only focusing on the big uh, issues and problems that are overwhelming. But we know the truth that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God of Gideon is the same today. So I, for me, I, um, I know God has been dealing with fear issues in my life. I'm actually quite a fearful person in the natural. I tend to think through all the uh, possible worst-case scenarios that might happen and make contingency plans. Um, Gabrielle says, I'm the best person to sit next to when flying because I'll have worked out, you know, the nearest emergency exit and I'll have a backup plan in case that one's blocked. Um, you know, I've got a pen in my pocket. I've got uh, medicine in my bag. Um, I've got everything prepared just in case. Um, and I've had to learn to not allow fear to take over faith or my perspective and to stop me from doing what God wants me to do. But to know the truth that perfect love casts out fear. Um, I don't focus on trying to cast out the fear, but rather focus on filling my heart with his love, filling my life with his faith. Um, because when we're filled with him, then there's no room for, for fear and anxiety. Um, 
So I do, I do acknowledge the feelings that I might have, but I don't stay there. I, I do that uh, two second pause when I'm feeling scared or anxious and ask, what's the truth about the situation? Ask the Lord for his perspective. And uh, what does he say about me? And instead of focusing on those big um, problems around God, as it were, rather focusing on, on God and what does he say and letting him fill me with his truth. He is a safe father. He um, comes to us deeply and to create a safe place within us that we're free to come to terms with those other things within us and to allow uh, his truth to reflect us. Uh, I love this verse that I often think about before I go to bed at night from Psalm 4, verse 8. It says, in peace I will lie down and sleep. You alone make me dwell in safety. Um, another illustration is of this uh, uh, heating. Uh, I sometimes felt that I was trying to make the inside of my house warm by going outside and trying to turn the heat up outside in the in the world outside which is crazy uh, you can't turn the environment up in order to be warm inside that's just a waste but no it's we focus on what's inside and we put the heating central heating on when it's winter or light the fire as in this picture um, so that we are nice and warm and snug and cozy in our hearts um, and no matter what's going on outside, no matter the storms or the winds or the, the rain outside, we can remain calm inside because we've allowed him to uh, fill our hearts with his love and his peace. So back to Gideon then. Um, what did the angel of the Lord ask him to do? Verses 6, 25 to 28. It came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, the Gideon, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this rock in a proper arrangement. Take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants, did as the Lord said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And the men of the city arose early in the morning. There was the altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. My third point here is to keep on trusting when evil is all around. Gideon's fear was normal, fear of what people uh, would do to him. They'd want to kill him, right? Fear of the evil spirits, the Midianites. And yet he still went ahead, albeit at night. <laughs> he still did it. Um, Gideon kept on trusting even when evil was all around. And I was thinking, um, I'm sure we can, we can think of all the evil around us. So I, I didn't want to focus on focusing on, on, on what you know, the evil that we are all too aware of around us. But I felt the Lord lead me to um, think of ourselves internally and like this scale, measuring scale, balancing scale, how comparison can be a kind of um, way the enemy gets to us to undermine our confidence and trust in God. 
when we compare, we're constantly weighing up um, whether we're better or worse than people around us, um, whether we have more or less. Uh, maybe we're richer or poorer or more educated or less educated, or <laughs> it just ends, we end up feeling either worse or better, uh, generally usually worse. We have a tendency to always compare with people who have appear to have more and it can make us feel inferior. Um, it can bring shame. Uh, we feel we are less or we don't have enough. And um, I felt that's an insidious way the enemy can get to us by feeling we don't have enough. We're not good enough. Um, we don't have enough. Or bottom line, we aren't enough. And that eats away at our confidence and stops us from doing so much. We have so much potential, so much what the Lord wants us to do. And um, Lord wants to come in the opposite spirit of gratitude and thankfulness, uh, to be grateful uh, for what we do have, to count our blessings, name them one by one, as the song goes. Uh, and as Gideon had to pull down the idols of Baal, uh, we also need to pull down the idols in our own lives of comparisons that undermine who we are and what God has said about us. You know, we are his children. We have him as our provider. And so to come in that opposite spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. I think this is probably one of the most uh, well-known stories of Gideon, the sign of the fleece. Uh, Gideon wanted to know if this was really God. And so he said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. There's dew on the fleece only, and it's dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he arose early the next morning, squeezed the fleece together, he wrung out the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on a fleece, but on the ground all around, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. Yes, keep on trusting when we are unsure or when we doubt. Gideon had this call, but he was honest, he was sincere, and he was jolly afraid. Um, he needed a sign that God would be with him. I think sometimes we all want that, don't we? Um, some say it showed a lack of faith, but uh, I don't know. I, he wanted to be assured that God's presence would go with him. And uh, so he asked for these two signs, the signs of faith. And I think demanding signs shouldn't be viewed entirely as an indication of a lack of faith by Gideon. You know, he had this unique calling and wanted to be certain of God's will. But I think today we have to be careful about overemphasizing the fleece method as the only way God provides. Um, you know, today we have his word, we have the Bible, we have principles, and um, we have um, an understanding of the way God works. We have his Holy Spirit who speaks to us. Uh, um, and we have others around us that we can trust and we can share with and get guidance or uh, get wisdom, should I say, or input from them. 
So when it comes to guidance about doing something major, yeah, for sure we want to know if this is God. But um, let's remember that putting out fleeces is not the only decision-making method God has given us. He, God uses different methods, different ways, different times for us to grow in our faith and in our relationship with him. And he wants us to hear his voice speaking as the sheep with the shepherd, where he says, my sheep hear my voice, they know me and they follow me. Um, earlier, Judy was sharing a prophetic word um, from the Lord about, he, he, you know, uh, he wants to encourage us, he wants to uh, feed us, he wants to free us from our anxieties, our cares, our sadness. Um, and he wants to be like the living waters that flow, that flow from his sanctuary to refresh and renew us. And um, I had this slide in of a bamboo water wheel that we have in Asia that works by the water fills up the empty bamboo cups. And as the weight of the water fills the cups, it turns the wheel around until it gets to a point where the cups empty out their water into the stream below. And so it carries on round empty until it reaches the top again where it's filled. And so it goes round, full, empty, filled, and then emptied. And I love this rhythm of how God is like drawn to emptiness um, and wants to fill us with his living water, his presence, his refreshing power for us, but more than that, also to empty out to others, to share his good news and his faith with others. Uh, so don't be afraid of emptiness. Don't be afraid of feeling empty, but come to him to fill us. Um, what do we want to be filled with today? Gideon in chapter 7, verse 2 to 8, had this huge uh, task to do. And now it's going to get even harder. As the Lord said to him, the people that who are with you, Gideon, are too many for me to give Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. Twenty-two thousand of the people returned and ten thousand remained. The Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. The same shall go with you. And whoever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. The same shall not go. So he brought, them to the, pe he brought the people to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart for by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink and the people of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Wow. <laughs> what an incredible task. What, what are the odds? You've got 32,000 men that he started off with now down to 300. 
and he's fighting against an army of around 135,000 men. So by my calculation, that's a ratio of one man, one of Gideon's men to 450 of the uh, enemy, the Midianites. Yes, that's quite, uh, quite something. But faith and hope are not based on that which is observable. It's grounded on, it's grounded in God. Um, and as we have that quote, um, one man with God is a majority. I think it's clearly laid, uh, explained here with Gideon. The opportunity for uh, Gideon to move from fear to faith was his ability to do precisely what he'd been told to do. He, was, he felt he was in the minority, but let's keep on trusting, even when you feel you're in the minority, folks. Um, God's the one who gives us strength, faith, and courage, uh, and serenity of his presence to, to do whatever he's asked. Um, earlier on, we were sharing about what the, we do in Thailand, and um, one of the ministries that Gabriella works with is with the refugees. And um, this is one of the family that uh, actually this last week, we asked uh, some of you to pray for. Um, they are Christians. They've been persecuted in Pakistan. So they fled to Thailand uh, seven years ago now. And they've been waiting in hiding, never losing their hope and their faith and their trust in God. Uh, even though their father, you can see him at the back here, um, has been placed, he was arrested and placed in the immigration detention center for the last four years. Um, now this family have been staying in the same small room for the last seven years. Um, I think we've got a taste of that in lockdown. We know what it's like to be uh, restricted in our homes um, for the last year. Um, but for this family, they've been in a tiny bedroom for seven years and every time they venture out, they fear arrest. Um, and so they have been waiting and they have been, this last week, they were accepted uh, to be resettled in Canada. They had an interview at the Canadian embassy and we've been praying for them. So praise the Lord, they were granted uh, resettlement status. And so very soon they will be on their way to freedom and uh, to start their new life in Canada. So thank you to all those that have been praying for them. Um, there are many other families that we're still praying for and um, Gabrielle is involved in sort of advocacy for them and to have them live there, to get into freedom basically from their life of, of, of restriction. So all this time they've had their trust put in God um, and they have been a minority, but with God, he can do great things. So where is your faith focused? Where is our faith focused? Is it in someone? Is it in our Lord to do what only he can do? Let's keep trusting him, even if we feel that we are in the minority. And then on this last point here, we're coming to Judges 7, 16 to 22, the, the sort of the climax, I think, of, of Gideon's uh, story. What happened was he divided the 300 men into three com companies. He put a trumpet into everyone's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise, watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me 
then you will also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they posted the watch. They blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands, the trumpets in the right hands for blowing, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Mahola by Tabith. So my final point here is to keep on trusting even when you don't know the outcome. This is an incredible story, isn't it? Each soldier, each combatant had the empty pitcher with a torch to be carried inside that clay container. And in the right hand, they had a trumpet and they all would blow the trumpets at once and cry out, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Even though there were only 300 men to the 135,000, confusion reigned, it was nighttime and the enemy ended up fighting each other fled the camp and Gideon won. He didn't know the outcome, but he trusted the Lord with his life. Uh, some of you know of this uh, Thai guy I've shared about before called Pan. Um, he was a, a teen, a teenager that lived in the village in uh, East Thailand. He ran away from home when he was just 13. He lived on the streets of Bangkok. Um, and one day, one of our, uh, our staff was walking down the street and saw him begging on the streets and uh, felt the Lord prompt him to reach out, uh, share a bowl of rice with him, uh, took him into one of our discipleship uh, homes and uh, shared the gospel with him. He became a believer. And uh, that's when I met him uh, as a new believer and spent time mentoring him through his early 20s. And um, he had nothing. Literally, he, was, um, he felt he was a nobody. Um, the only thing he had in his hand was a paintbrush, uh, literally. And he loved doing painting. So we encouraged him in his painting skills that um, over time has developed into a full-time uh, business painting. He now lives in Hoa Hin, a uh, coastal town, and he works in the night market uh, painting. These are some of his, his works of painting that he does. And he's really developed a prophetic uh, edge to his painting, where he um, prays for people, uh, asks the Lords for words and paintings, and he doesn't give them physical words, he gives paintings uh, for what the Lord gives him. And um, this is the one he did for us, it's called Holy Fire the Lion of Judah, and um, he gets words and visions and just paints, but he does what he has with what he's got in his hand. And he holds retreats, uh, pro uh, prophetic painting retreats, ties to release their creativity. Um, he has using his gift uh, to bring hope to many in Thailand. And we are messengers to speak hope and life and truth into people. 
we don't know what the result will be. We are called to do and to give what we have. And um, my encouragement to you is even though we don't know what the outcome will be with what we have, um, let's see what's in our hand. Let's take uh, the little that we have and not hold back. I love this quote by Edmund Burke that said, nobody made a greater mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little. Um, remember that story of the boy with the two fish and the five loaves. He gave what he had and the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 happened. He didn't know what the outcome would be. I'm sure he just uh, was a boy with a packed lunch. Um, what's in your hand today? What do you have? Is it a paintbrush like pen in Thailand? Is it a skill that you have or a hobby? Um, or is it like Gideon, just an empty pot, a clay pot and a trumpet? We don't know what the outcome will be. We don't know the results of our faithfulness that God asks us to do. Um, I want to just leave that point with you, um, that even though we don't know what the outcome will be, we have a God um, that we can trust and we have a Heavenly Father who is faithful. So whatever you have in your hand today, it may feel very empty. Let the Lord fill it with what he has so that we can accomplish what he's asked us to do. Um, and for each of us, it will be different. We have different capacities. We have different spheres of influence. We have, uh, we're in different places, but we all have our hands. We all have something that he's calling us to, to do or to share or to give. Um, so I would just like to leave us with a couple of questions for some personal reflection. Um, um, if we could just ask you to uh, just think of these, these two questions. Um, and before that, I'll just remind us of the six uh, points to keep on trusting, knowing the Lord is with you. Keep on trusting in fear and anxiety. Keep on trusting when evil is all around. Keep on trusting when you're unsure or doubt. Keep on trusting when you feel you are in the minority. And keep on trusting when you don't know the outcome. So as you reflect on that, let's ask, the, ask yourself, what areas in your life do you need to keep on trusting? And then a follow-up question is, what is his invitation to you today in regards to trust? So we'll just have a few minutes of silence here as you just ask yourself and ask the Lord, what areas in your life do you need to keep on trusting? And then ask the Lord, what is his invitation to you today in regards to trust? Father God, I want to thank you for the story of Gideon, Lord in the Bible. We thank you that he is a man who, although he felt fearful and inadequate, he felt he was the least, and in many ways in the natural he was. But I thank you, Lord, that you see beyond the natural. 
No. Ask the Lord today that each one of us would keep on trusting you, Lord, keep the faith in you, knowing that you are with us wherever we go, Lord, we never go alone. Lord, that when we may feel fearful or anxious, when we're unsure, when we doubt, Lord, that we come to you knowing that you can replace that with love and with hope and with your truth. Lord, that we look to you to give us the words, to give us the um, commission to share what we have uh, with what you've given us, knowing that you will multiply it, knowing that with you, even though we feel like we are in a minority and that we are just one out of many uh, against us, as it were, Father, that you can uh, confuse the strategies of the enemy and that you can uh, overcome wherever we are in this world, Lord, even when we don't know how it's going to turn out. We do know you, Lord. We trust in you. We have a heavenly father for us, Lord. I ask that where we feel empty, that you would fill us with the living water that flows from your sanctuary, Lord, as you spoke to Judy earlier on. Lord, thank you that we can be refreshed and renewed today and to keep on trusting that you are with us and that you have got great things to do through us, Lord, even though we trust you with the, the ripple effect, Lord, of the conversations that we have with people around us, that it will multiply, it will increase, and that you will be glorified through it all. And so we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.